the idea that um, that it is my light and my dark that they can fall in love with because I have fallen in love with my light and my dark. And knowing that those those dualities, those two aspects of myself are what make me beautiful, perfect, whole, complete, lovely, and, and you know, willing to be loved. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bullcrap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Today, I'm talking with someone who has described herself as a foodie, academic, recovering perfectionist nerd who takes advice from fridge magnets. She is also a wonderful coach, a graduate of the University of Santa Monica with a master's degree in spiritual psychology, which in my experience, makes for someone with a huge compassionate heart for humanity. She's someone who has invested heavily in her own personal and business growth. She's uh, an East Coaster living on the West Coast of the US. Gosh, I could, you know, I could make this intro last forever, but I won't. Most of all, she's a dear friend of mine, and we initially connected around about four years ago, and we're both part of the same coaching community. And Since then, we've both experienced much change in our businesses and personal lives, and I think she has a story to tell, and it's one I think that most of us will relate to, certainly in parts. And since she seems to have this knack of drawing out my most inner thoughts and secrets, I thought it would be fun to turn the tables a little bit and have a stab at doing that with her today. And, you know, I know one of her favorite Michelangelo quotes is, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Well, here is someone who is definitely an example of what Michelangelo's work looked like when he was done. So a big warm welcome to Deanna Dansky. Hello. Hello, and thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever been introduced as such, and I am incredibly touched, and I'm honored to be here and to be connecting with you and and uh, connecting with your community and very excited and very nervous after the, uh, you know, <laughs> that comment about getting through to my innermost secrets. <laughs> but I'm Let's here to share how. and I'm Let's excited. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, thank you. Really, really lovely. I'm really pleased to have you here. Um, so let's just have a little bit of backstory. It's where we always start. So um, our listeners get a chance to get just to know what's got you here. Um, how did you get into coaching profession? Well, um, I'll give you the kind of abridged version, but the the intimate version. Um, it all started <laughs> when I was a young girl. Uh, no, I was I was always what I like to call an you know overachiever growing up. Um, I always was a straight A student. I performed. I did well. I was a varsity cheerleader. I you know always had a smile on my face. Everything was perfect. Everything was happy. Um, but behind the scenes, there were a lot of things in my life that um, were challenging. And uh, it got to a point where after college, it all came to a head and I landed in the hospital with major anxiety and depression. And, um, and I remember sitting in group therapy with these people who had, quote unquote, real problems. They were stealing their parents' cars and selling it for drug money and shooting heroin in, in the bathrooms at school. And um, their sisters and brothers had been murdered. And, I, and I'm sitting there like, I broke up with my boyfriend. And, <laughs> and, and, and what, what seemingly seemed like 
really um, kind of like middle class, you know, suburban white girl problems. And because I was relating to all these people who I perceived as having these real struggles, um, I continued to perpetuate the belief that I didn't deserve help. I didn't deserve support. I didn't deserve assistance. I didn't deserve any of it because there were people who really needed it. So um, I decided to enroll um, when I was 25 years old in a master's degree program, as you mentioned, at the University of Santa Monica to um, earn my my master's in spiritual psychology. And the reason I applied there was because I remember in my entry form, I said something along the lines of like, I've, I've, you know, excelled in all of these topics and these subjects in school. But the one thing I knew nothing about was me. I knew nothing about who I was, what I wanted, what what was important to me, what my goals were, what my passions were. I just, I was a little, you know, robot kind of just, you you input, I created output. You gave me this, I, I performed. And so um, I went into that program and I started to really discern what was important to me, what was valuable to me. I started to heal a lot of the things that were, that I had kind of, suppressed uh, throughout my life and and started to live more authentically, more real, more um, out in the open, a little bit, you know, cutting away the BS, as you like to say. And I think what that did was it started to attract other people who wanted the same. And so I kind of fell into the profession by accident. I started to support um, this one a lovely human being. She um, she just was curious about spiritual psychology. So we met every Tuesday. I used to joke it was like Tuesdays with Maury, but Tuesdays with Deanna. Um, and one day, a month or two or three later, I don't even remember what it was. She told me how her life had changed dramatically in the time we had worked together. And she had wondered if I would be able to support some of her coworkers and maybe I could even get paid for it. And I was like, that's crazy. Who would pay me just to just to share my story and share these tools and skills? And and that's when I realized that this work was so important because so many people, myself included, you know, it wasn't not that there's anything wrong with therapy. My my best friends are therapists. I've been to therapy. Therapy is great. Therapy USM to me was kind of like my therapy, that healing aspect. But then after that, it was like, well, what now? Like you go to the you go to the doctor and you get healthy. And now you want to go to the personal trainer to get optimized. You want your body to, yeah. to, to be the example of health and wellness. Mm. And so for me, it was like, okay, I healed the hurt. What now? And it was about stepping into coaching was like, this is where I get to create. This is where I get to play. This is where I get to have fun. And I get to support others who have figured out what their stuff is. But now they want to do something with their lives to create purpose and joy and fulfillment. And ultimately, I feel like the purpose, joy, and fulfillment not having that in place is what what causes a lot of that pain and suffering for a lot of my clients and myself included. So um, a lot of times it's not even about healing a lot of stuff for them. It's really just about getting themselves on track, getting them aligned with who they are, what their vision is, what they desire, and um, and then giving them the tools, the skills, and getting the stuff out of the way that, that keeps them from going for it. So I kind of, to answer your question, fell into it but you know how much of things happen on accident you know (laughs) it was kind of a very happy accident i'm wondering for you what what was that like then you know helping that first person and then having her uh essentially refer some other people to you and and things you know starting to gain some momentum out of that what was that like for you um frightening at first (laughs) to be honest i i really 
when I first started, I had this belief that because these people were paying me that I had to help them. Mm-hmm. And that's really what made it scary was because it felt like this personal responsibility. And I became, you know, this, this beacon of light and hope and truth for these people. And that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, and then thankfully, shortly into my coaching career, I realized that my job is not to help anyone. My job is not to fix anyone. All of my clients, I see them as perfect, whole and complete. And that's really my job, my opportunity, my responsibility as a coach is just to, to love them and to create a space for them. Because again, these people are, my, my clients tend to be, I don't specifically seek them out, but the people who are attracted to my work are high achievers, recovering perfectionists, people who are kind of successful or want to be successful on the goal line. But really on that soul line of life, <clears throat> they want to experience more fulfillment. And just letting them actually say and speak into the world the things that make them happy, the things that their heart really desire and crave is so magical. I've had people get on the phone and cry because they've never said out loud the thing that's most important to them. And that to me is, is what I discovered was my opportunity, my job. And that took the pressure off because it was just loving people and how hard how hard is that? <laughs> I mean, what? for me, at least <laughs> I love, I love the people that stand before me. And so, um, you know, they, they really get an opportunity to feel what so many of them have been craving their entire lives, which is just complete acceptance, non-judgment, openness, warmth, support. And to me, that's, that's easy. You know, somebody, you remind me, somebody sent me, um, a quote and I've never been able to ascertain its uh true source and I've mentioned it on the podcast previously but you just remind me of that and it was very simply I'm not here to teach you I'm here to love you love will teach you which uh, I love that. yeah superb um what are like I'm going to jump around a little bit because I you know I want um, people listening to this to get to know you so what do things look like now compared with that <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, well, things have changed. Things have yeah. evolved. Um, I feel like you always laugh at me. Um, I think in some ways I have, I still at the very core have that deep desire to love my clients. So that hasn't changed. I still see them as perfect, whole, and complete. I think in the positive ways that things have changed, my training I I started, like I said, by this happy accident. I wasn't a certified life coach. I hadn't had life coaching training. I was one of those people that, because it's not a profession that requires, um, you know, any, any degrees or education, you can kind of hang your shingle anywhere and call yourself a life coach. Um, And I realized early on, even though I did have a lot of great training in my master's program, I really wanted to focus on the, the training aspect so I could serve my clients more profoundly. So I've worked with amazing coaches, including, you know, our, our dear friend, uh, Steve Chandler. And, um, I have a, um, a degree. It's a soul centered professional coaching certificate from the university of Santa Monica. I've, I've done all of these trainings to make myself a more skilled, uh, coach, which I think has really helped me. And at the same time, I think truth be told, there's, there's also a tendency sometimes that I have to be conscious of that, after doing this for 10 years, it's almost like, okay, well, this is just 
another situation just like another one in here, let me help you, as opposed to helping the clients draw it out from within them and, re- and creating that space. So I have to check that. Um, and then in terms of my personal views, um, you know, there are times when I, when I feel like I, in, the, in the beginning, I started and I was so excited to be a coach and to create my own business and be an entrepreneur. And it can get really exhausting. It can get really tiring working from home, you know, by myself often. I do try to collaborate with other people as much as possible. Um, I, I hang out with my puppies a lot that are, that hang out in the background. Um, and it can be very isolating. Um, uh, my clients in the beginning were all in person and I loved that deep connection, that physical space connection. And now because my clients are all over the world, I work with them all um, over the telephone or over the internet. And it's kind of lost some of the intimacy that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can get really lonely. It can get, um, it can get isolating. And, uh, and, and also, you know, there's, there's ups and downs in entrepreneurialism. And um, while I think that it's always kind of an upward trajectory for me, which is really great. I like to, I like to know that my, um, my growth is sustaining upward. Um, those dips can be really challenging at times too, and they, they really test me. So now um, I, I, Steve Chandler once told me when I hired him, this is, this is the best way to, to, to summarize this. Um, when I told him I was really unhappy in my business in the beginning, this is, and it happens all throughout my business. There's yeah. been those, those dips where I get um, kind of stuck or bored. He called it something that I love, inspirational dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm currently in a place of inspirational dissatisfaction in my job because I'm like, oh, there's something more. There's something I'm not yet wrapping my, my fingers around and getting into and, and, and digging into. And I, and I know somewhere deep inside of me what those things are, which is, you know, needing to start writing and starting to create the academy that I have in my vision for the work that I'm doing, um, Better Living Academy, where I'm teaching these tools and skills to people who, who really love personal development. Um, and because I haven't done it, it's that, that feeling of stuckness and stiffness. And I think that the, the beauty of this work is that as much as I'm supporting other people in getting through these these barriers and these blocks, I'm doing the same, which is why I'm always working with a coach, which is why I'm always working on my stuff, which is why I'm always looking at the stuff that's quote unquote not working or going wrong, because that's where the juice is. That's where the good stuff is. But man, it can get exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, love, I love that you're, you know, you're sharing that because to me, yeah, again, hearing that from you, that's just, that is a reminder that that's just par, par for the course, right? That is um, part of the journey. And, and, and we spoke about this in, a, in another aspect, in another context around relationships, um, in that when these things come up, they're an opportunity for us really to, to learn and to grow, to take the next step. And in a way, the same thing applies here, as like I said, as we discussed, that there's an opportunity to look inwards into like, into yourselves and what do I want here to move forward and step forward as opposed to, you know, Oh, it's not going great. So I'm just going to bail and get out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if your business is the same from day one to year 10, it, it, it makes you look, if you think about it in, in the scope of relationships, if your relationship um, is the same, or if you're the same person you were 10 years ago in your relationship, you might look at that and think like, oh, that's great. Like, we're still in love. But really, like, don't you want that, that growth? Don't you want to deepen into certain aspects of your relationship or become a more fulfilled person or a, a more, what's the word, not even a fulfilled person, like 
an actualized version of yourself. And so I think that's the same with business. When you look at I tell my clients all the time, especially my clients who are beginner coaches, when they're they're so stuck on branding and websites and this and that, I'm like, look at all of the greatest businesses. They evolve over time. You know, the the, the you know, the Nikes and the McDonald's or Pepsi or, you know, all these these um, huge sustainable companies, they've all morphed, they've all changed throughout their their existence. And we have to be able to um, morph, we have to be able to, you know, uh, reestablish, reidentify and, and keep the core values. You know, I think that's important, just like in a relationship, you want to keep those core values. But life is constantly happening around us and we get to adapt. Yeah, nobody wants to go to Denny's for breakfast on a Sunday every day, every Sunday for the rest of their life, do they? Let's face it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I live right across the street from Denny's. It's so funny. <laughs> and I do not go there. <laughs> Sorry, Denny. Uh, not even on your birthday, you get a free meal, apparently. So, uh, not that I don't know that personally. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> Great point, you know, and when you look at even some of those larger companies, they do have these periods where, um, you know, I just I just kind of describe it the May, the blah kind of thing. I, I mean, I had that going on as well in the summer and uh, got some coaching around it, got some help and yeah, like re, re-energized and yeah, re-inspired with uh, some mm-hmm. new ideas and following up on those and, you know, like it's okay to fall out of love with what you're doing. It's quite possible mm-hmm. to fall back in love with what you're doing. And the same applies to relationships, of course, as well. Yeah. So I'm wondering, so four years ago, uh, what was, what, what's happened kind of since then? It's been quite a ride, hasn't it? Four years. Um... When we first connected, um, I know I was heavily immersed in a particular coaching community uh, and stuff and still trying to find a way that really worked for me. Actually, that was towards the end of that. Things had kind of taken off a bit then. Um, Wonderful community. In fact, I think I was uh, either in or had just finished Steve Chandler's school. Um, So I kind of wondered... I know, you know, you've had some challenges, which is why I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to sort of share that perhaps even over the mm. last year, I know you've had some stuff go on. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. like, you know, share to whatever degree you feel to share. But the one thing I really admire about you is this openness, this willingness to share this willingness to, okay, I'm just going to step back. I'm going to honor what um, feels right for me to do. So would you be willing to share what that was? Yeah. So, um, in the last several years, and this is something, like you said, my openness, this is what I bring to the table as a coach and my clients. I actually just had a, a potential client conversation the other day where she was like, you know, the recovering perfectionist thing. Um, I feel like you got it all figured out. And then there was a moment where she stopped, she paused. She was like, wait, I feel like maybe you don't have it all figured out. And I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> the point. That's why Perfect. I'm always in recovery. <laughs> I'm not a like recovered perfectionist. I'm in recovery. Um, and, and it's true. I'm, I'm really vulnerable. I really, I share with all of my clients because I think there's beauty in that relatability and there's, there's beauty and vulnerability. And that has not always been easy for me. Um, I, I, I've really had to create a practice around sharing. And, and so, um, you know, my personal life is often where I draw a lot of my my inspiration and my connection to clients. Um, I was I've been in a relationship with um, 
this one amazing, wonderful man for like nine years. And since I graduated from my master's program, we've really grown together a lot. And, and he's really supported me and loved me and helped me and guided me and, and been there through the ups and the downs of entrepreneurialism. And it's been, it's been this really beautiful ride. And um, we have this beautiful friendship. And, and in the last year or so, we realized that that friendship, while wonderful and amazing, isn't on a trajectory that we see moving forward into, um, into marriage or into that, that more um, committed, intimate relationship. And even though we've had great times in the past, that's, that's not what we choose to see going forward. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's interesting because being an entrepreneurial, it, being an entrepreneur and, and um, working from home and having, you know, this, this life happening and this business happening simultaneously, how they impact each other, yeah. how those, those ups and those downs, um, you know, when business isn't going the way that I want it to, how that then shows up in my relationship and how my relationship when there's, when there's ups and downs in that, how that shows up in my business and learning how to be with myself and be in compassion. Like even just thinking about it, like for someone who's a high achiever, who's challenging, you know, with herself, who's always looking to get to the next goal that like celebrating success as well as, um, allowing the, the pains of, uh, I don't even want to say failure, but the, how we perceive for failure or, or the completion of things that no longer serve us might be a better way of saying that. Um, how there's pain in that. And one of the challenges that I thought that I had to overcome was that I needed to like get over that in order to serve my clients and really understanding that it was about being open with that, being honest and authentic and sharing. I mean, I've had had clients actually get on the phone with me and be like, your energy seems a little low today. Are you okay? And of course, as a coach, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up the boundaries here. I don't want to create some sort of um, dynamic where they're, they're helping me. And it's like, no, I can still serve you. And I can just be honest with where I'm at today. And, and once I would do that, the, the connection and the conversation we'd have was even more beautiful because they 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 would meet me in this really raw space and they'd get really raw mm-hmm. um and then you know after that completing that relationship um which was really kind of graceful and easy to complete um because it had morphed into this beautiful friendship um i entered into a um a, a new relationship that was kind of like this summer love um with someone and I had fallen completely like because it was it was what I had always wanted what I what I'd been waiting for what all of the things that were missing from my other relationships um I found in this relationship and he was just uh he is a wonderful human being and he's lovely and and our connection was just super yummy and um and it was funny because uh when that was happening I could feel how it was impacting my work. I was excited about work again. I was excited about doing certain things and exploring and, and seeing how these relationships impacted my, my career focus, you know? Um, and then it ended unfortunately. And, um, and how I went into kind of an emotional spiral for a little bit, not just because the relationship ended because it had me look at all of the things inside of myself, all of the things, all of the places where, you know, I, whatever the stuff was that I was projecting onto him, 
I, I always say relationships are like mirrors. Like I, I got to turn it around and say, okay, what are the things that I'm upset about with him? And how am I creating that in my own life? What am I doing in my own life that is, that is reflective of that? And so one of the things that, um, that came up for me was, uh, you know, that he, he wasn't ready to go all in. He wasn't he, like, he got scared. He got like, this is so important. This is so good. This is so lovely. And so let's, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, put this to the side so it doesn't fail or whatever. Right. And, yeah. or, or like, I don't want to ruin this. And I looked at like, where in my business do I do that? Where do I not go all in? Because there's so much passion. There's so much love for it. There's so much, um, this is the thing that I, that I really love that I'm too afraid to move forward. And so when I said earlier, like there's, there's areas of my life that, um, or I'm sorry, areas in my business where I haven't yet gone. And I see that it's mirroring my relationships. It's mirroring like, okay, I can take a look at what I just learned in this relationship. Where am I not willing to invest? Where am I not willing to go all in? Where am I afraid? Where am I scared of how good it can be? Where am I afraid to fail? And here I am holding him responsible for, for not doing that in a relationship and I'm doing it in my business. And so how do I heal my relationships? It's like, well, if I want to have better relationships, if I want upward, if I want to vibrate at a, a level of, you know, who I want to be in a relationship, I get to look at what area in my life that I can, I can up level to that as well. So it's, it's just a really interesting thing to uh-huh. use love and relationships as this, uh, kind of blueprint for my business and um and I'm really and and gratitude I think is at the core of all of it like while yeah I'm actually still really sad and really hurt about the ending of that relationship and it was something that I really wanted to see um blossom into something uh I I get to focus on the gratitude of all of the lessons that it provides for me and all of the opportunities that I can take from it and implement into my life and business so that I can be the next level version of myself and attract a partner who is vibrating at that same all in committed, go for it, be afraid, you know, like not be afraid to, to fail, not be afraid to um, give your heart completely to something. So if, if that's what I want in a relationship, then I get to create that in all areas of my life. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, you know, that's a really inter- interesting contradiction. It's fascinating, really, isn't it? That, that, um, and I think we do have that going on in like all, all aspects of our lives. And, and, uh, and I love how you're able to like, you know, shadow that from, you know, the relationship into the business. It's a, it's a really wonderful example because I, I, I talk to a lot of clients because I see this in myself as well that if there's something we really want, like it would be so damn good it's actually we find it more comfortable to just simply yeah no let's not go there and just like suppress that desire and make up a whole bunch of reasons why we don't want that because we're simply scared of either getting it and then losing it or mm-hmm. you know because it would just be so amazing to have that i couldn't bear to have it and then lose it it's better to have not done it at all no mm-hmm. not had it at all or or just simply yeah to put everything into to getting that and and then still fail in in quotes you know and yeah. this is uh <laughs> i was going to do that well you know i'm sharing on behalf of a friend okay it was me it was me so yeah. i went i went to sort of i went to see a movie at the weekend um and uh 
It's a very popular movie. It's a love story with a sad ending and whatever. And I just came out of that movie and I thought, shit. That really helped me see, you know, the truth is, I am really shit scared of being heartbroken, right? I could see that. Like, that was really rising up in me. Like, you know, you watch these wonderful movies and we all want the kind of love that's often portrayed in these movies right and the big romantic in me wants to believe that that's possible but you know we i guess we all kind of want that and but perhaps daren't go there and i just i really felt that rising up in me and then i was like yeah but it's okay to be shit scared like i even know that it's okay to be heartbroken right because we recover like, we're incredibly resilient when it comes to that. So it's like, okay, you can do the crying in the fetal position for a day or two or whatever, you know, and and guess what? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, oh, and we recover. And and yeah. the same applies to stuff we want to do in our business. Like, wouldn't that be absolutely friggin' amazing if that worked out? Can you imagine? Yeah, so I love, I love, um, I love the analogy. I love the analogy. And I, and I think one of the things that, just recently, even after, you know, a few months, I, I came to realize was, um, and this is one of those, those deeper seated beliefs that kind of pervaded all areas of my life, especially because I'm in personal development, which is that I somehow need to fix, heal, or figure out something in order for me to fill in the blank. So whether it's like, be ready for love, or have a relationship, or get married, or um, make you know, seven figures or whatever it is, I, I started to look at that again. Like when I, when the relationship didn't work, I went inward and I was like, okay, what do I need to fix so that I can, I can be in a relationship with someone else? Or what do I need to heal that? And it's like, no, that's not (laughs) always, that's not always what needs to happen. In fact, it's like, what, what is it that I can celebrate about myself? What is it that I can say? Like I went all in, I was willing to let down my armor, like even just thinking about it, like I get emotional, like I was willing, I was willing to be vulnerable, I was willing to let my heart be hurt, you know, vulnerability is like the willingness to be hurt. And I was willing to look at the ways that I could be better, I was willing to support him in his stuff so that he could show up as who he was and knowing that he had things from his past that he was working on. And like, I think there's a beauty to um, to being imperfect, quote unquote, imperfect, because, um, and, that, and that's a hard thing for a recovering perfectionist. I want to just be like the, the perfect little, you know, <laughs> the perfect little housewife who makes lots of money and, you know, that I have it all figured out. And, and I realized like, I, what's the expression? Like, I want someone to love me warts and all, you know, the, the, the idea that, um, that it is my light and my dark that they can fall in love with because I have fallen in love with my light and my dark and knowing that those, those dualities, those two aspects of myself are what make me beautiful, perfect, whole, complete, lovely, and, and, you know, willing to be loved. And I think what we're really saying here is fear is never really the problem, right? There's, I don't think there's any such thing as fearless looks to me like fear is just par and parcel of being human. Um, I think um, the problem, if there is a problem, which of course there isn't, um, is that we might give fear voting rights on what we do, allow our fear to have like the director's role 
And that's what suppresses our experience of life, where we go through life trying to avoid having an experience. And we might avoid trying to have a, we might try and avoid having a broken heart. But like, we can't suppress that without suppressing like the most joyous experiences available to us as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the fear is um, when, when you're willing, the fear can be a really lovely playground because as we said earlier, that's the place where we get to look at what our opportunities are and what, what we can create next. And, um, you know, I said something to somebody one time where she was like, okay, are you ready? And I said, no, but that's never stopped me from moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm never ready. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not ready for anything. I'm not ready to start a business. I'm not ready to enter into a relationship. I'm not ready to hand my heart over. I'm not ready to be vulnerable. I'm not ready for any, you know, people aren't ready to have children. I wasn't ready to get dogs. You just do it. <laughs> and then you figure it out and you figure it out in a really messy, unstructured, um, scary, <laughs> like making mistakes, failing forward kind of way. And it's not always easy, but that's where, that's where we learn so much about ourselves and we get to celebrate our humanness. You know, it's like, I say to my clients all the time with me, one of my first things I say to any client who gets on the phone with me, you have absolute permission to be human, absolute permission to be human. And I know that that's scary because so many of us, the high, the high achievers of us out there, we have this belief or this desire to operate solely from this space of, I don't even know what it is, like, you know, above human, of, of the divine, let's call it, right? And, and that's great. And we have moments of that, like when we're in flow or when we're succeeding. And we have to remember that we, we're human, we're divine beings having a human experience. We are these divine beings. That's lovely. I love that we have this, this innate quality about us that's, you know, celestial and heaven sent or whatever you want to call it, um, soulful. And then we've got this really fallible human experience. And, you know, I'm not much of a, a theologian or anything, but I, I love the saying to err is human to forgive divine. And I, when I grew up, I, I always knew that as like, okay, if I've made a mistake, I go to church and I get forgiven. I grew up Catholic. Um, and then I realized that, you know, to err is human, meaning we're human, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to create errors. <clears throat> but it's through truly accessing that divine part inside of ourselves, that place of compassion, that place of love, understanding, um, peace, acceptance, that we transcend the human experience and get to operate from that place of the divine and do that with our, like with and for ourselves. You know, I, as a coach, I don't dole out love and acceptance um, so that they can continue to perpetuate the belief that these things are happening outside in, that they have to get my acceptance, my approval, my love, my forgiveness. Um, the first time I ever did self-forgiveness, I almost vomited because I was like, ah, oh, who am I to forgive myself? And it's that whole like Marianne Williamson, Williamson thing, like, who am I not to? <laughs> who am I not to give myself my own forgiveness and really understanding? <clears throat> and this was a really pivotal um, distinction for me, understanding the difference between self-confidence and self-esteem and self-worth. I, as a high achiever, I believed that I could do anything. I could, you give me a task, I, I can get that done. I can make it happen. I can do better than anything else. I can, <laughs> I can exceed your, your expectations. <clears throat> so my ability to do, to perform, 
But as Wayne Dyer talks about, like the be do have, I realized that, you know, I could do and have, but the being, like who I was being and how I perceived who I, who I was, my worth inherently of nothing, uh, of regardless of what I was doing. I, I mean, I'll never forget. I, I, I was struggling with something when I was volunteering and um, I couldn't get this concept down. I couldn't get something right. And this woman just wrote on a post-it note, Deanna, I love you regardless of what you do. And I just burst into tears. It was like the first time that I realized that love wasn't, didn't need to be earned, didn't need to be something that I strived for, that I didn't have to hustle for. And that regardless of my performance, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it wasn't going to change the way that she loved me. And I realized, again, outside in, like, that was great. That was a wonderful experience. But how can I then take that and learn inwardly to have that experience with myself? How can I love myself mm. when I'm sitting on the couch watching sad movies, eating you know, <laughs> like ice cream after a breakup? Like, can I love myself because I'm not out there hustling to get new clients or make lots of money or do whatever it is you're supposed to do as, as an entrepreneur? And like, I just think that and and don't get me wrong, like I do not have this all figured out. <laughs> My clients all the time are like, you've been doing this for so long and that's why you, you know, you can help us because you've figured it out. I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. But I do know that I'm always, it's, again, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous. I feel like I'm kind of like a sponsor <laughs> for my clients. Like I've been there and I'm, I'm in recovery. I'm, 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 I'm constantly doing the work. I'm showing up. Um, I wouldn't call myself perfect or not susceptible to temptation or to, to, to falling off the wagon now and again with my self-worth. But I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to, um, to do the work and, and support others on their journey, knowing how beautifully disastrous it sometimes looks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love that, that, that it just, that's one of the things I get about you is you do just simply allow yourself to be human in, in all that that entails, you know, and, and it's funny enough, there's a chapter in, uh, in my first book, uh, called, uh, ready, ready as a mirage. So I, I just like that mm -hmm. whole thing about being ready is such a, such a distraction in a way. I agree with yeah. you. I don't think we're ever ready. What is it like? Fire ready aim <laughs> or firing ready? Right. Or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm 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 hearing, but I, I'd I'd love if 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 possible for you to have a stab at summarizing it, like the impact of USM on your life and your work as a coach. Wow. Um, so USM. I decided, like I said, to attend when I was 25 years old. And um, I think at the time I was trying to figure out relationships and career, which funny because here I am <laughs> decade later and change. And it's like, is that stuff ever figured out? You know, um, but what what really made the biggest difference is the, the tools that they provided for me. Um, and and those aha moments that have stuck with me forever, you know, for for example, so Ron and Mary Holnick, doctors Ron and Mary Holnick are the, uh, the founders and the professors who um, who really have helped change and not change my life, but to, to um, like, it's the word I'm looking for, like mold parts of me. Um, and some of the takeaways, you know, I asked Mary one time, like, oh my God, Mary, am I ever going to figure this out? Am I ever going to get to a place where there's like no more work that I have to do? 
And she said to me, you know, it's not, it's not about being above the work. It's not about not having work to do. It's just how quickly after a challenge or an event in your life happens, can you get back to equanimity, that place of neutrality? It's about how quickly we can get there because we have now have the tools and the resources and the ability to do that. And now I'll be perfectly honest with you. Well, that sounds really lovely. And so like it was very eye opening for me. It also can be very tricky and I've used it against me because there were times in my life where I struggled with something and I didn't get back to equanimity very quickly. I didn't have that neuroplasticity to be able to <laughs> just change my thoughts and my brain to get back to central. And then I would go into judgment like, oh, I've got all these tools and these resources. I should have this figured out or I shouldn't have these problems still or I shouldn't be going through another situation that is reflective of something I went through 10 years ago. I shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't. And, you know, as we like to say, don't shit all over yourself um, because that's the source of judgment. And really that's, we also say at USM, how you relate to the issue is the issue. So it's, it's not just the, the thing that I'm struggling with, but then how I'm choosing to, how I'm choosing to perceive myself as I'm going through the issue. So like judging myself for being incompetent while I'm dealing with it is part of the, the, the opportunity for healing, right? So it, it's given me all these great tools and then it's given me, you know, like one, oh gosh, one of, one of my other favorites really quickly. Um, and I shared this with you cause it's just, it's so good. And it's on the topic of love. Um, there is a woman who, who kind of had this aha moment of like, okay, I get that. I'm just here to love. I'm just here to love and, and open my heart and see everyone with eyes of loving. And then she had this kind of like, but wait, if I'm here to love and see everyone with eyes of loving, how do I decide who to marry? How do I decide who to spend the rest of my life with? And Ron looked at her and he said to her simply and profoundly, you choose. You just choose. And, and I really think that those two concepts, each from Ron and Mary, I feel like they're kind of there are these variable concepts where I can apply them to anything. Do you know what I mean? Like there are these, uh, my, one of my favorite roommate quotes is our task is not to seek for love. It's to seek and find the barriers that uh, we built inside yeah. ourselves against it. And my I love, I quotes. love it. Isn't it? It's just so good. But I love what I love about it is you could take love, remove it and put anything in there. Your task is not to seek for success. Your task is not to seek for approval. Your task is not to seek for whatever. So same thing with Ron and Mary's two lessons. Is those two are not just about, marriage, you know, with, with the Ron quote, and it's not just about challenges um, and the equanimity. It, it's really about life. It's about taking that and applying it to all facets of my life. Like um, I can see anything with eyes of love and then choose, right? So many clients come to me. I don't know what to do for a living. Okay. Well, just all in love with the beauty of, of work. And then you can do anything. You just choose what to do for a living, right? So do you see how like it can apply to any different concepts? Um, and, and so they, they were really foundational for me in my coaching, being able to, um, we learned certain tools and skills, like seeing the loving essence is the heart of my work where I sit before someone and I look at them, not just as Phil, you know, the guy in London who's got a podcast. It's like seeing, being able to look into someone's eyes and seeing them as a divine being, or some people might say a child of God, or some people, um, you know, however you want to, to use it. It's like seeing them as a soul or a divine being having a human experience, getting to look beyond just the physical form. And that works. Like I was in a challenging experience 
in one of my jobs, there was this woman who was just absolutely challenging is the polite word. (laughs) She was wretched. (laughs) She was just, she was, she was, she was an older woman who just didn't seem happy in her life. She was harsh. She was mean. She was critical. And, um, I just, I constantly, every day I'd go into work and she was an energy drain. She was like that energy vampire just sucked the life out of me. And I realized like she has all of my power right now. So one day I went in there and I was like, Deanna, practice your skills, see the loving essence. And I just pictured her as a little girl with like little blonde pigtails. And I was just thinking like what hurt and pain she must have had to go through in her life and how she's had to protect herself and create barriers around herself so that nobody would hurt her anymore. The way that I started to show up inside myself completely changed. I reached her with such compassion, such patience, such understanding that eventually the beauty of it was she started to shift. I think probably partly due to some shock because nobody had ever really, when, when you show up that way, you expect to be treated with opposition, with resistance, with pushback, right? Because you're being, you know, she's, she's being mean to someone. She expects them to treat her a certain way. And so instead of fighting the fire with fire, I fought it with love and I caught her completely off guard mm-hmm. and she really did start to, to shift. And I think um, there's beauty in that. And USM taught me, taught me how to see the loving essence, how to practice. I know this may come as a surprise, but practice the art of silence. <laughs> 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 yeah, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. So all the time, like as much as I talk when I sit with a client, like sometimes I I, I can be in that uncomfortable silence. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> yeah, I'll often say to my clients now, I'm 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 only going to speak to the person that I see, and that might not be the person you think I should see. And you know, a few of my clients they've got to a point. A few weeks in or sometimes months in they're like ah I get what you meant when you said that it's like because they're starting to see that person that person too right what's you know we might call it a true self our true essence or whatever but essentially you know Byron Katie nails this on the head doesn't she who you are without without your story who you are without all of that crap and again that's everybody's pointing to the same stuff you know Rumi loves loves there you know equanimity is it's it's all there peace is there it's free without the stuff without the stuff that we put in the way so that's beautiful so another really easy question for you um (laughs) (laughs) i know well enough to know that that's not true (laughs) well you know so his name's been mentioned on this podcast um far too many times you know maybe we'll ban it from here on but i kind of wonder if you you'd be able to summarize um the impact steve i know you've been working with him for for quite a while so what's uh you know is it even possible to summarize the impact that working with him has had on you it is actually and I've, i've often summarized it and it is this um steve has taught me that um i always like to say steve didn't help me solve or fix my problems he helped me see i didn't have any that was really the beauty of what he did. When I first got on the phone with him, oh God, it was hysterical. I'll never forget. <laughs> he, he'd probably kill me for even saying this. Um, but I think he also loves it. Um, he he asked me, because I was charging like a, a rate that would be um, insulting to the coaching profession. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And he said, Deanna, 
when are you going to take off your robe and slippers and stop being the mother Teresa of life coaching? And I was like, ouch. (laughs) And like, I'm a Jersey girl, right? So like, you kind of have to like, throw it in there. You have to, you have to lay it on pretty thick for me sometimes to hear. And he did, he had this beautiful way of, of poking through and saying things with a, a sharpness. Um, but backed with so much love, like that he meant it because he only wanted what was best for me. Um, that he really helped me, um, propel forward in my career. He, I, he's the reason I turned pro. He's the reason I, it went from a jobby to a, a career because I, it was like fun before and people gave me money, but I never would have been able to support myself or sustain myself or to grow as a businesswoman. I mean, I remember the first time my brother said, you know, you're not a life coach, you're a business owner. And I was like, like I started to cry because I realized I had, I had, it wasn't about being, because there's a lot of people who go into this profession because they want to help people. And that's really beautiful and lovely and noble. And they don't last. Um, because helping people without having some sort of structure to support that sustainability to, to, to be able to create a business around that or, or structure around that, um, it's, it's really hard to do. It's like, you know, people say, well, like Gandhi, Mother Teresa, they, they didn't have all these funds. Well, no, but they had people backing them. They had this mm-hmm. support. They had, a biz- they had businesses behind yeah. them yeah. that created the ability for them to serve that profoundly. And so we need to be able to do the same. And so that's what Steve did. I had this natural ability to love people. I, I mean, I've been doing it since uh, most of my coaches that come to me that want to become coaches, they, they say, and it's true that they've been doing this their whole lives. And so they come to me to help understand how do you create a, a structure around that? How do you create something that helps sustain that? Because, I mean, I grew up, I was on the phone with people all the time and always helping people. And here's the funny thing. This is, this is what I learned. All you guys out there who are aspiring coaches, um, when you do it for free, most people don't even actually take your advice or, or listen or, or do the things that you're, you're suggesting or implement the tools. Um, as soon as I started charging for it, that was amazing how people stepped up their game <laughs> and how people stopped coming to me, taking from me. And it, it created a lot of boundaries. And Steve really helped me with, he, he helped me create um, professional boundaries. He helped me um, to, to understand how um, I could serve people in a more, more profound way. And since then, you know, years and years have gone by and um my business has evolved and he's kind of been there along the way. And just recently we started um, an online show together, uh, better living coaches, better living coaches.com. And he and I talk about different topics and I've got other amazing coaches that come on and talk about topics. Phil included. Oh, We've got, a, got some amazing one. guests coming on there. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Remarkable. Really? I mean, they're, they're <laughs> la creme de la creme. And uh, so, so, I mean, he, like, and he, when he and I did an interview a, lot, uh, a while back, he was like, we're kind of like Regis and Kelly. And that's kind of just how we are, he and I. He's like the the lovely, cantankerous uh, gentleman who always has something kind of witty and, and sharp to say. And I'm, you know, just like Kelly, the, the like bubbly Jersey girl <laughs> who's smiling through it all. So, um, yeah, he's been with me since the, since the, the beginning. And um so many of my clients, I, like it's the first thing that I do is, is hand people the Prosperous Coach book. Um, it's the first thing. I have an entire library of Steve Chandler material. I joke around that, like, at this point, I could recite half of his audios by heart. Um, he's really he's impacted my work profoundly. And I'll say this because I think it's really important too. One of the biggest lessons that I had, um, actually, this was in college. I did um, jujitsu in college, which 
usually it takes people by surprise, but um, it's like how guys take yoga because there's a bunch of hot girls. Like I took jujitsu because there's a bunch of hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my guy friends did it, and I, and I, I had a really great time doing it. And my sensei was just this really wonderful, amazing human being. And <clears throat> I just, I um, actually, my sensei was wonderful. And then his sensei was out. So I went to Penn State. His sensei was out here in Santa Cruz in California, and he would come in for these events. And I was just, I marveled at him. I just thought he was the most, I don't know, he was just the most amazing creature. His insight, his abilities, his intelligence, his everything about him was so great. And then I did a Thailand adventure, and um, and I got to learn that he was a human being and not an idol that I had put up on a pedestal. I know, shocking, right? And um, and it was appalling to my 23-year-old soul that, like, this person that I had admired and respected so much could have human qualities and do human How things. And was, I know. It was so inconsiderate, like, so rude. <laughs> um, and, and so one of the things that I learned early on after that was not to do that, not to place my teachers, my mentors uh, on a pedestal. And the thing about Steve is, <laughs> it's like, even if you tried to put him on a pedestal, he'd fall off of it. <laughs> like, like, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't like being there. He's afraid of that kind of height. He's just like, I would never. And and so he's really taught me the same that, you know, I don't have to have an image or, 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 a, or an, you know, I don't have to project something onto the world so that my clients think that I'm perfect. It's like, He's the guy that trips and falls on his way up the stairs to the pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely um, description. <laughs> and he would he would own that. Like he in one of our videos, he said something about like I have no problem constantly <laughs> being human or reminding people that I'm human. You know, he yeah. just he loves being human, and I think that's the beauty of him. That's the gift of him. He yeah, really appreciates the beauty of being human and he doesn't try to fix anyone or anything and it, it it's even his beautiful relationship with Kathy his wife i mean the way that he loves her it it's not different than he loves his clients which i think is beautiful too and i i feel that way like i the way that i love people in fact there's an opportunity for me I, like i think that the way that i show up as a coach in my client relationships i can be that way in my um my my romantic relationships but there's such a there's such a um, like this this pull, this draw in in my romantic relationships to have attachment, whereas in my coaching I don't. And that's what Steve really beautifully demonstrates is like he has no attachment to any of us, and and in a beautiful way. Like mm-hmm. he has love and he has support, but it's like we still have the freedom to be who we are, and he will not judge whatever choice we make and how we behave. And and so in in a lot of ways he he continues to inspire me even in my non-coaching world in my in my real life so he's just i'm a big fan obviously yeah 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 we can tell but uh, we all are you know so one, i mean one one of the things that kind of summarizes you know what what you've said there about about him is um i think i heard i can't remember whether it's on an audio or whatever or something he'd written I'm, I'm sure i can imagine his voice doing that you know the whole hi this is steve i, I just think um he said Good. something about somebody asked him, how do you want to be remembered? And he was like, remembered? Thought, like, how egotistic is that to want to be remembered? Like, just get on with living your life and whatever. So, you know, so, Diana, look, I want to honor your time, our listeners' time. I've just got a couple more questions for you. 
Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if you had a whole bunch of coaches in a room with just a 30 second message, um, to give them and they're in perhaps their first couple of years of their journey, what might that message be? Mm. Okay. 30 second message to beginner coaches or at any area of their career? Well, you know, I, I think most people who are, you know, with a, with a few exceptions, whether most people in the first couple of years, we would probably call them beginner coaches. I might have just lost a load of listeners by saying that, but, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm a bit, but that's what I learned from martial arts, right? I'm still it's a like beginner a coach, belt. right? 13 yeah, years. I'm still a beginner coach. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I honestly, I think that's probably the message that I would send, honestly, is um, no matter where you are, always be a beginner, always be willing to, it, always be willing to learn, always be willing to know what you don't know and not know what you know and, and just fail forward. And being authentically you is the best gift that you can give your clients. The, the whole image or who you think you need to be or who you should be or who you're aspiring to be, none of that matters as much as who you already are in this moment right now. And if you give yourself fully, wholly, and completely to your clients, they are going to show up in a way that they can give to themselves fully, wholly, and completely. And just to continue inspiring them to be their best selves by you demonstrating that. And that's really it. I, I love, I, that's why martial arts is so beautiful to me that the black belt and the white belt are, are at the same level, that the, the master is the beginner and so always remember we're all beginners Beautiful. and not to compare yourself to anyone along the journey because as the whole reason you're doing this podcast right is because like anybody along the journey like we don't know where they're at we don't know how much money people are making we don't know who they're serving we don't know any of it so keep your eyes you know in your own lane and and just do what you need to do and stay on the path of course as steve would say ah. so um for you then personally what is the purpose of the work that you do for you personally? Um, for me personally, um, it's, I'll admit it's, it's selfish. The purpose of the work that I do is, um, is to continue when I serve someone, when I sit in front of someone and I see their loving essence and I see who they are as a perfect whole and complete being who I get to be in that moment when I'm sitting there seeing them that way is the best feeling in the world. It's, it removes all of my judgments. It removes all of my fear. It removes all of my discomforts. It removes so much of the parts of me that hold me back. And so the work that I do is really, I feel like I have often compared my work to um, meditation. My work is just an art, an act of meditation. It's getting to be in the present moment and and love and enjoy what is as byron katie has taught me <laughs> it's incredibly selfish and i think that anything that is truly inherently selfish um and i use the word selfish not in the way that a lot of people tend to think of it but like self-serving or self-centered where i'm like i'm serving myself when i do that i give permission or space for others to do the same and really how beautiful the world would be if everybody could take care of themselves and love themselves and be with themselves and and be present and and find the beauty in themselves and others so that's why i do the work that i do yeah beautiful i love that and you know what i i, I think when we if we delve into anything we could we could 
we could find a, a reason that we might say is for the self. And certainly that was the case with me wanting to get you on here. I did that for me. Um, but I also, I'm sure, absolutely sure that this conversation will be of service and certainly entertaining for the listeners as well. You know, and I always, I'm, I'm always so happy when I get somebody on and it just feels like, oh my God, the hour's gone already and we've only just scratched the surface. And, you know, I want to do a part two. I want more. And I kind of feel like that with you, of course. So it's been an absolute joy dancing with you um, in this conversation today. And I hope we get to do some more. Thank you very much, Deanna. Thank you, Phil. It's been a pleasure. What a joy talking and exploring with Deanna. One of the things I love about her is how she essentially thinks out loud. It's it's so authentic. She's not trying to hide anything. She's like so open and raw, shares her processing as she delves into herself to respond within our conversations. And I, I think that's a really endearing trait to share and show ourselves in that way. And that is at the heart of all she does and indeed the heart of her message today to allow you, allow yourself out into the world. And of course, to see the world, to see people and to see yourself through loving and compassionate eyes. Deanna is an advocate of allowing our humanness, warts and all. And as I've said uh, a few times on this podcast, people do connect most deeply to the humanness that we so often try to hide. We all have our light and dark sides. We all have fear. We might occasionally fall into the illusion of having our shit together or revisit equanimity. Um, but being human is a transient experience and we get to embrace love and show it all and to share it all. And I loved all of this conversation. So I'm wondering, what are your takeaways? I'd love to hear from you. Do you find yourself wanting to hide aspects of yourself? And what might happen if you just let five or 10% more of that out into the world? Please get in touch and you get the chance to be one of the listeners I'm selecting each month to have a follow-up conversation that may be featured in a future episode of this podcast. And so here is something for you to consider. How are you using fear to prevent people from connecting with you? How are you using fear to prevent people from connecting with you? Okay, if you're enjoying this, you can help me help more coaches discover this podcast by taking just a minute to leave an iTunes review. And if you do that, please let me know. I may have something for you in return. What a gorgeous episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And there's much more to come on the Coaching Life podcast. So thank you once again for listening. And as always, I wish you much love and joy. Okay, uh, 
Bonjour, 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 et bienvenue à la podcast sur la vie des entraîneurs. No, 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 I'm going to try that again, actually. Sorry, that bit was just for you. Okay, it's just joking. <laughs> I was like, are we doing this in French? <laughs> I was like, ready to go. <laughs> Merci, je m'appelle Diana. <laughs> no, you completely lost me. I, was even, I even wrote that down and I had to write it in like syllables so I could, so I could say it that reasonably sounded like something okay i literally had a moment where i was like maybe he's got a lot of french listeners and i was like but i thought he doesn't speak french you have no idea how much is happening in my head right there i was like am i doing this in french am i really oh my gosh that was too funny i can tell you we're 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 only just doing it in english okay let's give that a go (laughs) just barely okay okay we got this we've got english 